Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky, Dean. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about uh, special events and and ticketing and how to manage big events at stadiums and uh, arenas and and, and even, you know, comedy clubs and theaters and so on, Um, and and how to manage... um, producing these events during uh, the the ongoing pandemic uh, and, and the recent surge of Omicron. And here to talk about that and, and how we might do things differently now and in the future from uh, VBO Tickets, the director of sales and marketing and an expert on ticketed events, Mike McPherson joins me by phone. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, VBO started in 2012. That was way before the pandemic. Did you have any idea when you were putting together this system that that interacts with uh, the websites of various venues that that it would be such an important part of of how to manage special events uh, now going into 2022? Well, I'm sure, like like most you know listeners out there, none of us were prepared for you know uh, COVID nineteen and the pandemic and and what it did did to all of us. Uh, so, so the answer is uh, nothing could prepare you for for 2020 and 2021. However, uh, you know Zoom, uh, VBO tickets, cloud based you know systems that. Uh, you know, we're able to help with the social distancing, obviously uh, caused a, you know, reorganization of, of how people look at, at, at live attended events and large crowds gathering. And so uh, initially uh, it was scary. It was challenging times without question. Uh, as we now, you know, start 2022, uh, these types of technologies are finding their footing uh, and and becoming helpful uh, in in helping you know people feel uh, safer when when they gather in large crowds because they have components in them that can be utilized uh, to give peace of mind when and starting to go back to live attended events and and people are really trying um, hard to get back into live events. There are still it's it's still kind of a Almost a coin toss. Um, our our own governor here in Michigan 
um, just this week decided, not quite at the last minute, but fairly last minute, that she was going to do her State of the State message last night virtually. And that's, um, you know, it could have it could have gone either way. Really, she could have stood up in the in the well at the uh, state capitol, um, but instead decided to do it uh, in a in a broadcast way. Um, did did VBO? You know, you mentioned Zoom and VBO as as companies that were already there when the pandemic hit and and people kind of learned their way around the the technology of zoom and um, using the service that vbo provides did you have to make any changes or was it were you just positioned to be there to help help us get back to whatever the new normal is going to be yeah, we definitely had to make changes, and, and, you know, there's nothing like panic to make you move quickly. Right? <laughs> That's true. And so when your business, you know, think about it, you know, you know live, live attended events and large crowds, and you're going to buy a ticket to go to the event, and that business, you know, overnight, you know, falls, you know, 95 plus percent, uh, you start tap dancing. And uh, so one of the things right out of the gate that we in the ticketing you know, business uh, across all platforms started to look at is virtual you know, streaming of events or of communication. And <clears throat> I couldn't even tell you what Zoom was before the pandemic. You know, now I'm quite familiar with it. And so streaming became a big deal. Virtual events became a big deal overnight. Uh, some of these performing arts centers that we work with, uh, large venue uh, event uh, venues that we work with, you know, uh, wanted to be able to have virtual events so they could still stay in touch with their patrons. And so you started to see that technology uh, emerge right away. So in a, in a matter of weeks, uh, we were up and running with a virtual service that, uh, you know, integrated with our, our ticketing software. So then a performing arts center uh, or a music venue could have an artist or a theater event uh, going on, but it would be virtual. And and what would they do in in that instance, Mike? Have the artist perform on their stage in an empty theater and and just broadcast it over streaming platforms and and uh, uh, other forms of of video? Initially, uh, it started with. Uh, a single musician uh, or a single poet or a single comedian uh, recording themselves or live streaming themselves from their home all by themselves, right? So initially, uh, <laughs> even the thought of a theater group performing on stage without an audience wasn't even possible initially, right? Because the, you know, the, the troupe itself, you know, could not you know, go to the theater and even put on an event with nobody in the theater initially. So initially, what you started to see is, you know, a single performer, a single musician would be in their home and, and would record, you know, a song and then post it on YouTube or post it, you know, on some sort of streaming service, right? And what we allowed any um, performing arts center <coughs> or venue to do is, 
uh, use any of the existing streaming services they were used to, and then through the ticketing software, through you know what our software is uh, referred to as a white label uh, software that resides on the Performing Arts Center uh, website, we allowed them to put a paywall around that video, so you could sell a ticket to it. So uh, eventually, it did get to where a Performing Arts Center could safely uh, follow the rules and regulations by their local health officials and have uh, their group put on uh, a theater event to an empty audience and they would live stream that or on demand, meaning they would record it and then, you know, you could, uh, you know, purchase it on their website uh, at your convenience and watch it. And so when it got to that point, what we allowed them to do is no different than buying a ticket to go to the theater and sit in the theater and watch the event. You could go to the theater's website or the comedy club's website or whatever venue's website and buy a ticket to a virtual event and our software allows that event uh, to you know uh, have access through purchasing a ticket. I wondered about that, Mike, because when uh, in March of 2020, when it, when all of the stages went dark, pretty much immediately, um, I, I I have a lot of friends that are musicians, and a lot of them started you know doing as you suggested by themselves. Um, you know, in a basement studio or something, and they were doing, like, live Facebook performances and, you know, putting up a, uh, a GoFundMe page or some other kind of way to, you know, encourage contributions or donations to, to monetize their performance, um, some more successfully than others. And I wondered how, when I saw museums and and other venues starting to do virtual tours how that could be monetized or if they just um just would forego the admission yeah initially you're exactly right uh it, it would be you know on youtube on facebook and you know they would use something like a gofundme um, the the technology uh, ramped up rapidly from there, right? And so, you know, now even that individual, uh, you know, musician has some sort of form that that evolved through somebody, some technology, some company, uh, you know, cre- created a, a better way of doing it. <clears throat> In our particular case, we're working with performing arts centers or music venues or comedy clubs or sports venues or or tourist attraction uh, museum, right, as opposed to individuals. But, yes, on day one, it went exactly as you described. A musician would make the video and and, uh, and then, you know, GoFundMe or something along that line was how, how they would do it. Well, as it evolved, more and more companies, you know, started to come, you know, technology companies, uh, Zoom, you know, as is a previous example we used, you know, started to, you know, launch new services, you know, started to adapt, you know, to the changing times. Uh, and <clears throat> we were no different in our case, we're adapting, you know, to the performing, performing arts centers or, or the museums. And so the technology, you know, allowed them to monetize that, that venue's event uh, and make the purchasing process for their patrons no different than if, if they were buying a ticket to go to the event live and sit in person. It just did it uh, over the Internet uh, where they could you know, buy that ticket. <clears throat> now that ticket 
purchased looks no different, and uh, they have their ticket. The event is on. They log in. They enter in, you know, the ticket code, and now they're watching a video that they paid for. And it really uh, changed things for the performing arts centers, and it it's here to stay. Right now, as we move forward, uh, you're, you're, you'll start to hear the word, you know, hybrid events where. Uh, they'll have a performing arts show. Uh, you'll buy a ticket to go and sit in the venue and watch the show, or you'll have the option to buy the ticket and watch it from home. Yeah, I remember those uh, those early days of, of musicians, you know, from their basements on Facebook, basically cyber busking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. is kind of is kind of what they were doing, and 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 by a weird. Uh, confluence of events i had a studio of my own and in january of 2020 i closed it and moved all the gear home and set up a studio at home thinking i was going to be a little bit of a maverick you know doing my show from home and two months later all of the big networks were (laughs) had their their on-air people their news anchors and stuff were in front of green screens in basements all over the country um and and some of those were pretty awful at first but they got better as as people got used to the technology um but i i was a little disappointed because it turned out i wasn't doing anything so different at all (laughs) i i i remember yeah i i'm a big sports fan and and you know sports all of a sudden oh yeah you know not only not only were there no sporting events to go to there were no sporting events to even watch on tv and then one step further uh, there wasn't even even you know a typical sports show you know where you know where the reporters were talking because you know their studios were shut down and they they didn't have what you're talking about that studio at home yet and i could remember wanting to watch you know one of my favorite you know sports reporters or sports related news shows and you couldn't even access it and then then you started to watch it and and they they were there they were but they were from their house and it was a little clunky at first right yeah the, and the now, cameras now weren't you watch the cameras weren't very good and the lighting was bad they didn't have any sets or scenery programmed in it was some of the even some of the network news shows were pretty awful there for a couple of weeks yeah for sure and now you watch them and some of them are are you know doing a hybrid they are having their reporters uh report from home instead of coming into the studio and it it it's it's really nice now they've got it down it looks like they're in studio but they're actually uh you know in in their home and so that's just an example of how uh we've all you know adapted across many different industries uh to the changing times well, and I want to talk about the changing times and, and hybrids and, and so on, Mike, but I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? I'd be happy to. Great. My guest is uh, Mike McPherson uh, from VBO Tickets, and he is the Director of Sales and Marketing for VBO and an expert on ticketed events, and we're going to talk some more about the new normal with uh, Mike McPherson after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are uh, WFOVLP 92.1 FM in Flint. And if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner Program straight ahead. 
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about uh, special events in uh, theaters and comedy clubs and museums and arenas all over the country and how they've uh, changed and adjusted and how things will be going forward um, since the uh, pandemic and, and the impact that that had with uh, an expert in um, the logistics of managing uh, ticketing for special events from VBO Tickets, their director of sales and marketing. Mike McPherson joins me by phone. Mike, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around and sorry to make you sit through all that. No worries at all. I had a couple of chuckles. Some of those commercials were pretty good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Um, just before the break, you, you had mentioned how as we move back, as, as we try to get back to in-person events again, and, and we're still on again, off again because of uh, variants to this, uh, this pandemic that's been going on for a couple of years, um, you mentioned hybrid events. How exactly does a hybrid event work? Obviously, it's some people live in a in a auditorium or theater or arena, and then some people streaming that program. Um, and, and I'm curious does it does it make it possible for a lot more people to participate in that event? Um, and and how does the cost of a spot on a stream compare with the cost of a chair yeah yeah so the evolution continues right so uh, <laughs> right right it, 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 right and it's it's different by state and county across the entire country right so we, we 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 have a clearer picture now because there are some states or some counties uh that have um you know live events now for a while where people you know are able to come in person and so the pricing is similar there's not there's not a, a big difference now of course that's going to depend you know on the venue that's going to depend on the market for example an orchestra a symphony a ballet uh, uh, a play might be you know different than uh, you know a sporting event or might be different than uh, a museum exhibit for example right sure. so um, <clears throat> it's going to vary but what you know, what you're seeing is that evolution now is, okay, there is the live attendant event. Uh, there is the option that that live attendant event is at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. There's an option that you can stream, you know, you can buy a ticket to watch it streaming live uh, at 7 o'clock on that Saturday night. There's, there's an option that you could buy it and watch it on demand three days later, right? That's the evolution. So three options. I can go sit in the audience and watch it. I can buy the ticket the night of and watch it live. I can buy the ticket and watch it at a later time on demand, right? So that's that's part of the evolution on the virtual slash now hybrid side. On the live attendance side, the evolution has been that these, you know, theaters, performing arts centers, venues have had to uh, host people live now safely. And so those venues have had to make a lot of changes uh, to make sure that they're putting on events 
safely. Uh, and so that has caused social distancing procedures, sanitation procedures, uh, vaccination status checks, um, <clears throat> hands-free ticketing where you, you never touch a paper ticket, you just walk through the door, you know, and are scanned uh, with some form of technology, whether it's a ticket or plastic card, a, a, a scan, ha- you know, a hands-free scanner that reads, uh, you know, a card or a ticket or, you know, uh, a mobile ticket, right? You, m- many people are starting to see that maybe in the movie theater business where you get your ticket on your mobile phone and you just walk through and it gets scanned and no hands touch each other. Uh, the concession sales or the program sales or the parking tickets are all, you know, now available to buy online. And so instead of standing in line to buy your food at a theater, you pre-bought that, you know, Soto, you pre-bought that program. And now you, you have your, your receipt or your ticket or your QR code on your phone and you just walk up to where the programs are. They scan it and they hand you your program. Um, the maps, when you, you know, go to buy a ticket, let's say it's a, it's a theater or a sporting event and you want to buy, you know, row, row DC two, uh, those maps. Now we, in our software have, uh, created social distancing features that weren't there pre pandemic. You know, for the performing arts centers, we've adapted, we've innovated, we've given them the ability that when a patron goes online and buys a couple of tickets, that the software has an algorithm in it now that automatically reads those two tickets are, are bought and then creates a social distancing bubble set by the theater, you know, uh, to create uh, uh, the block out of the seats around it. Uh, automatically so the theater doesn't have to match it there there uh, uh, do it by hand there are others you know uh capacity some some venues can only have 50 percent capacity and so our software reads that it has the ability you know to uh, open up all the seats for the theater so so all seats are available to the patron but then once they hit the 50 percent venue boom it uh uh, sells it out, and it doesn't have to be done manually. So these are some of the innovations that that we had to put into our software for our 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 promoters, your know, theaters, venues that we do business with, to make it easier for them to manage the safety protocols. Now, before the pandemic, going to see a performance live was considered a premium even despite the fact that you were probably going to stand in line to buy a ticket and stand in line to get admitted into the building and and to get concessions and go to the bathroom and all of the things that come with being out at an event. Um, Now that, that fewer people are allowed into some venues, I imagine that has probably, you know, streamlined the experience a little bit. But are people uh, becoming less concerned with not seeing an artist in person and and seeing them, uh, seeing a video or a stream instead? I would tell you it's dependent on the popularity uh, of the artist, right? So, well, sure. You know, to to a certain extent, you saw a pent up demand. You know, where when you know venues uh, opened up, um, they sold out instantly. Depending, you know, again, depending on the market, depending on the level. So, for example, in Las Vegas, I believe, you know, they had a Garth Brooks concert, one of the, their first uh, uh, event, live attended events. I mean, it sold out. Uh, 
and you know there was no concession, no, no price discounts, nothing needed to to sell it out. There was just this huge pent up demand. People hadn't been able to see a live attendant in it. I want to be clear that wasn't one of our you know uh, you know uh, venues. Uh, that's just an example of at that level of performer. Um, there's no, there was, there was, there was no pause. It sold out quickly <laughs> on the, on the flip side, you know, maybe a symphony, you know, in Connecticut, you know, they were having that symphony outdoors, you know, and instead of, you know, 300 people, it's 150 people. The chairs are all, you know, distance out and, uh, and, you know, they're not raising prices, you know, because they can't, or they wouldn't sell them all. And they're, you know, they're maybe even, you know, giving, you know, uh, their first event might've even been for free to get people, you know, to come in and, and, and do it again. So it really depends on the size and the popularity and, and, and the different market. I know, I remember going to see, uh, and this is many years ago, even, and it had nothing to do with the pandemic. I went to see Aretha Franklin at an outdoor event. And I remember being kind of annoyed with myself because there I was in the presence of the Queen of Soul. And I watched the video screen more than I watched her. Um, because the view was better. I understand. I've, I've had the exact experience at a concert venue. And um, and I was really, I was a little bothered with myself saying, you know, and, and they were free tickets, so, you know, it wasn't like I spent the money and, you know, and I'm watching it on TV. It, it wasn't that experience at all. It was, I had a chance to watch Aretha Franklin in person, and I, I sat there, you know, watching her on a video screen because I could see her better. And and I was kind of yeah. I was kind of bugged with myself that I didn't, you know, force myself to pay more attention to her personally. Yeah, I can I totally understand. Yeah, you know, and what I what I would say <clears throat> to your previous question, of, you know, is you know sometimes it's age related, right? So as yeah. you know, with COVID nineteen, it has a it has you know a more serious effect you know uh, in certain age ranges, and those age ranges are are typically more likely to go you know, to a symphony or, you know, a play or a musical uh, or the ballet, right? And so that market of performing arts has to be far more careful, you know, than some large con concert venue where everyone's, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you see, you know, me personally, I prefer a small venue so I don't fall into that trap of watching a big video screen, right? So I'm more likely to go to a jazz club, right, where I'm, you know, five feet from the musician right, than I am right. to a lar large sports stadium, right? So it's a little bit about, you know, taste and need and want, you know, per individual. But because of, of COVID-19 in the, the last two years and with people being shut in from quarantines and lockdowns and so on people have gotten used to communicating by zoom as we talked about in the last segment um and and they're used to you know getting performances and communications and information online more than ever before regardless of age that's one of the things that's been kind of interesting is watching old folks like me um, get a little better with technology than I used to be. Um, 
but as as we move forward, Mike, how do the how will the venues fare um, going to these hybrid events? Does it make it possible for them um, not to just reach the numbers of people they used to be able to hold in their venue, but but even more than that? It definitely does, and we're seeing that right. So initially. Initially, you know, the, the video streaming aspect for, say, a ballet or, you know, a, a musical or, uh, you know, an orchestra uh, was, you know, emerging. And so, therefore, you know, the, the initial popularity was low. Uh, moving forward, it's here to stay, right? <clears throat> it's been flushed out. It's like some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. You know, things evolve. It gets better. Uh, the, all the performance, you know, gets the performers themselves get used to it. Uh, the camera angles, the backgrounds, everything gets better, right? They adapt. Well, and, and so audio, now moving, audio quality, audio quality. People exactly. are upping so now their home forward. gear. You, you know, yep. like like for example, I've had for a long time, and I absolutely love it. I have a uh, a Bose radio uh, hooked up to the audio on my laptop. And the sound is tremendous, <laughs> and and I think a lot of people are starting to do that. You know, just just up their gear a little bit so that they can uh, appreciate performance e- even better. I totally agree. I mean, there's no question. It's just like you were talking about how your show moved from a studio to an in-home studio. There's no question. I would imagine you would agree your in-home studio experience got better and better and better, more sophisticated, you know, um, and, you know, better for your listeners. And it's the same thing, uh, you know, with these hybrid events now. They're here to stay. And, and in the long term, um, the, these venues will be able to reach a wider audience. Um, and it's no different. I can remember <laughs> when smartphones came out, uh, you know, I never used it. And now I always use it. And it's the same thing with hybrid events. There were some people that would never watch, you know, a musical uh, live streaming. And in the future, there'll be people that that's just the way they always do it. Yeah, I just I just got my first smartphone this week. <laughs> a week ago, Mike, I had a flip phone. And I was really dragging my feet about it, but this whole thing about 3G dropping out and all that, it, it was time to make a change. I've had people bugging me for a long time. But I would look over and I would see I, I would see uh, Sandy, um, my significant other, she, would, uh, she had a smartphone. And every time I looked over, she was going, shoot, shoot. She, you know, she was trying to swipe something and it wouldn't swipe. And I thought, yeah, I can wait a little while longer. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is, is my 17-year-old twin daughters, they actually watch an event on the darn phone, right? And so so for the younger generation, uh, it's it's a crazy time on, you know, how they you know, consume, you know, their content. Well, that's another thing, too. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, uh, more and more young people um, watching concerts in uh, movies and stuff on their phones. And, and I, 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 it's something I, I watched my first um, video on my phone uh, today. Um, I was, was just scrolling through and, and came across something. I 
think it was Foster Brooks and Dean Martin or some silly thing. And, uh, and it was just a two or three minute video, but that's the first time I've watched a video on my phone. And it, I, I have to admit, Mike, it didn't suck. <laughs> yeah well th- th- again you know kind of back to the evolution of things so one of the things that you're seeing you know you know with y- younger the younger generation let's let's take ticketing and let's take concert venues and live you know live uh, concerts as an example you know now what you're starting to see is a vip experience uh, where um, the artist or the concert venue is using um you know, premium ticket sales to create a VIP experience, which might include access to videos, backstage videos, interviews, and, um, uh, you know, different features that come with the premium ticket that then, you know, these, uh, you know, concert goers can continue the experience both before or after the concert, you know, through, through video, through interviews, through special content, right? So that that's part of the evolution as well, is the VIP experience now. Um, you know, so to me, I'm like, oh, a VIP ticket. What does that mean? Uh, it means exclusive, premium content. What What about uh, merch? Included. Pardon me. What about merch? Merchandise yeah, and, mer- and stuff. Yeah. You know, that used to be yeah. part of a live experience. You know, you always had to leave with a T-shirt or a bobblehead or something. Yeah. So for example, you could, you know, through our software, through a venue, and remember our software sort of is invisible. It's on the venue's website. It it appears as if it's their software. You know, it's not, hey, you're buying your product through VBO tickets. No, you're actually buying your product through that particular theater's website. And VBO tickets is a white label software that resides in the background. But through that software, that venue could sell a hybrid event, could sell a video streaming event. And in the ticket purchase process, you know, you are able to select a uh, merchandise, a hat, a T-shirt, a mug, a program. Uh, so you get the same experience from home watching the event. In the mail comes, you know, your T-shirt. In the mail comes your program. And so you can, you know, in the cart, right? You're buying your ticket up by one to this virtual event. Then, oh, would you like some merchandise as well? Yeah, I'd like to buy a gift card or I'd like to buy... Um, a ticket for somebody else, or I'd like to buy a T-shirt, and uh, it's all part of the process. You can make a donation to your local theater, in the, you know, in the cart, in the purchase process when buying the ticket. All of this now is available. So this is why you know the the virtual aspect is here to stay. It allows these venues to reach a wider audience and sell that merchandise, sell sell all of these experiences. Uh, and you know, instead of it being in downtown San Francisco, you may be in London watching it. You know, a few years ago, uh, newspapers, daily newspapers in cities all over uh, the U.S. went through this transition of, of trying to produce their content online. Some were more successful than others. There are still some hard copy newspapers being published but not nearly as many as there used to be and there was a a real transition in the uh, funding model for them Um, and and eventually I I can see newspapers uh, becoming completely obsolete 
do you think this this evolution and this this hybrid now of special events will ever evolve beyond the venue that that the in-person experience will eventually go by the wayside or will that always be a part of uh, part of the mix I don't see it going by the wayside. I believe it will always be part of the mix. You know, you can go back to Shakespeare and they would attend live, you know, many, 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 many years ago. And so one thing throughout time, there has been um, plagues, there have been viruses before. And, you know, culture, theater, performing arts continues, continues to exist and handle the test of time. So I believe that although virtual will have a place, it, uh, in my opinion, will never replace the actual experience of being there. Because in my opinion, humans do like to connect. They do, they do like uh, to gather amongst their groups, amongst their peers, and have shared experiences. How will people um, find out where events are going on and, and um, access the, uh, the, the ticketing options that they have. Will that always be uh, maybe best handled by the, the various venue uh, websites and, and their upcoming events pages and so on? combination of things you know so you go back to newspapers since you brought it up right i remember you know i would you know get my my newspaper and uh you know typically maybe it would be on a wednesday or thursday up would come the upcoming weekend events right and right, you, would, right. you would you know go right to that section and you know what am i going to do on friday night what am i going to do on saturday night? uh and and that's still the case it may be now digital that that's available but you can still you know, go to, you know, your local community, um, you know, uh, paper or website and, you know, search all the events in your local metropolitan area and, and make your choices that way. You know, you can, you can sometimes, you know, buy it, you know, in, in, from a website that has multiple events for the whole community. Uh, or you can go directly to a venue's website. <clears throat> the, you know what our software does. What we, what what our uniqueness is, is it really is uh, creating the brand awareness for the venue. Right? They want they want the purchasing process on their website because they can do all their branding and their marketing. You know, to their liking all on right. their website, right. and they you know then they're holding you know that patron. You know, and creating that entire experience, which may even include that VIP experience I was talking about, you know, where they can upsell to a premium experience and communicate, you know, obviously email marketing and newsletter marketing and uh, video marketing, you know, can all be contained on the website. So the advantage uh, for the venue is that they're able to capture the patron on their website and, and market to them. Uh, based on that, but it will it will always remain a combination, right? You'll there will always be people, 
you know, they can just, you know, go to their local metropolitan areas, uh, newspaper or internet site with the local events and, and purchase that way as well. Well, Mike, we're out of time, but it's been a real pleasure talking with you, and I appreciate you sharing your expertise uh, with me and the listeners. And, and very quickly, we've got about 30 seconds. Uh, do, do you have a website where people could uh, find out a little bit about you and VBO and your work past, present, and future? Yes, you can go to vbotickets.com. That's vbotickets.com. And our website has uh, tons of information for you to read about about the subjects we discussed. We're also on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Instagram, vbotickets. So plenty of information, you know, for people to read about. All right, Mike, thanks, hey, and keep up the good work. This is the Unknown yes, Comic. Thank you. And Bye-bye. guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. WH Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flip Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, They will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people. And we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday, live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program.
Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed, the tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags, and I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have Yes, one. speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor, and your mother's doctor, and your college roommate's doctor, and your best friend from high school's doctor. Oh, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I would like to take you to the opera where you are going to hear a Mozart opera, which is nothing but an opera written by Mozart. (laughs) This is an opera in one act, and it begins when the curtain rises... Otherwise, you couldn't see a thing. <laughs> the stage setting is a kind of a forest. There are two large trees, which, of course, indicates the forest. It's a kind of a small forest, but it's a forest. <laughs> First, the tenor comes in. He is supposed to meet his soprano, as they usually call those ladies. <laughs> but she's a little late this particular season, so he hides himself behind one of the trees in order to surprise her when she comes in a little later, which she does. So when she arrives, she can't find him because he is occupied behind one of the trees. Uh, he's with a knife carving her name into the scenery. Now, she doesn't know that he is there, but... Uh, well, as a matter of fact, she must know it because she saw it during rehearsals. <laughs> Either she pretends that she doesn't know it or she's just plain stupid. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, she gets across the stage somehow and takes place behind the other tree, which, for the occasion, hides her. <laughs> to a certain extent. Now... The chorus comes in, but nobody knows why except Mozart, and he is dead. <laughs> and that's just too bad. Next, her father comes in, and he is a very old man, primarily because she is a very old soprano. <laughs> and he is very angry because apparently she is not his daughter. Now, this has nothing to do with the opera. I found that out myself. (laughs) 
that's what we call research. <laughs> anyway, he decides that he has had enough of her, so he tells her to die, and that's exactly what she's going to do. <laughs> and with that, the opera ends, and people can go home. Now I take you to the opera house where you hear the conductor's footsteps when he enters the orchestra pit. Here he comes. Yeah, he walks sideways. <laughs> and this is the overture. This, ladies and gentlemen, was the first part of the overture. Now you hear the second part, and that's exactly the same. Now this little bloop is an extra bloop. We have in case we shoot one short of bloops. But that has never happened, so we have a lot of bloops left over. Now the curtain rises and the tenor arrives. And he's a little tall fellow, he comes in. <laughs> he comes in from the left in a single file. He goes behind the tree right away. <laughs> now the leading lady arrives. She is supposed to fill the part of the soprano. Now she not only fills it, she overflows it a little bit. <laughs> She's a big husk, a big, uh, uh, she's a big soprano, that's what she is. She's what we call a messy soprano. She comes in in a single pile. She also arrives backwards, but nobody notices the difference. She goes behind the other tree. She can hardly wait because... Uh, see, she is... She supposedly hasn't... She hasn't met him for a long time, so she is just... She's anxious. Now is the time for the chorus. The light is dimmed, so you can hardly see these people when they arrive, and that's why they're dressed in a kind of cheap underwear. Because there is no reason to spend a lot of money for costumes when you can't see them. Right? And that's the way the management of this theater feels about it, and that's the way it's gonna be. Here they come. Bread and butter. Now they're all in and they fool around in the dark for a little while. This is a mixed chorus. 
and butter. <laughs> now they're out, they get their money and go home. Next, a baritone comes in and sings, Torre ador, torre ador. But he finds out that he's in the wrong opera. <laughs> now, the father comes in, the old man, and he is the basso. almost now told her what he had to say and she understands him quite well so now she prepares herself to die but before she dies she sings an aria the so-called die aria <laughs> She seems very happy about it. She dies by stabbing herself between the two big trees. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. What a great bunch of guests we had. I want to say thanks to uh, all of them, starting with uh, this past hour with Mike McPherson from VBO Tickets, talking about hybrid uh, events going forward and what the what is uh, becoming the new normal. I want to uh, thank uh, Michael Carr and Travis Fry from Calix, talking about plant-based engineering and, of course, I hope you enjoyed the uh, highlights from Governor Whitmer's uh, State of the State message last night. And we started out this morning with a really fun conversation with uh, 
Kurt Vonnegut's son, Dr. Mark Vonnegut, author of The Heart of Karen. See you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.